Welcome to the first season of Storytime with Wilson Rides. I'm your host, Galen Wilson, Executive Director of Wilson Rides, a nonprofit organization in Wilson County, Tennessee, that provides rides to seniors who no longer drive or seldom drive. Every day during the rides we give, we hear the most amazing stories as we transport seniors to medical appointments, shopping trips, or simply to meet with friends and family. The tales of growing up in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, the Great Depression, stories of military service, new inventions, the number of presidents that they have lived through, and the changes that our seniors have witnessed in their own local communities are just so fascinating. We're also amazed to hear about the things our seniors are still doing. In this inaugural season of Storytime, award-winning writer and storyteller Jules Corriere sits down with some of our local seniors and asks them about their lives. These are their stories. In this episode, you'll hear from Pastor Michael Rutland. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. I grew up with seven sisters and four brothers. I went into the military right after I got out of high school. Went to about 18 different countries, had the experience of my life. Um, began participating, making children by the time I was 21 years old. And I uh, got married shortly after that for eight years, went through a divorce, got remarried. I've currently been married for 22 years. And uh, I have seven daughters and three sons. Youngest child is 18. They're all doing pretty good. A few doctors, few lawyers, few executives. They're just doing, by the grace of God, they're doing really good. And every time I look at their face, it moves my heart because I thought that I knew what love was until I saw my children, you know. And it was uh, just, I think, one of my greatest accomplishments in life. And so I have a passion for children. I grew up in a big family, you know, raised our children. I have grandchildren. I have four of them, I think. Yeah, four. <laughs> and they're going to keep coming. And so um, my wife and I were um, doing really well in business. We owned a a large business, she's a physician, we went to clinic, we're just doing really well, and God had a calling on my life, and I know a lot of people say that, but the way that we were living, I had no reason to even want to be a pastor. I'm a professional singer, have been, so you know, you get the glory on that side, you get the love, you got the money, why would I want to put myself in front of a firing squad? That's how I felt about it. Personally, I was visited in a dream, and God gave me an ultimatum. And the ultimatum was, it's either you do what I told you to do or it's your family. And I knew not to tell my wife. I, decided, I still didn't want to do it. Who wants to take a job like this? I don't want to do it. My wife got up 6 o'clock in the morning. I remember she walked around the corner with tears in her eyes. We were in this big ranch mansion. And she said, God told me to tell you the exact words that he told me in the dream. Needless to say, I'd never been to a Methodist church. They wanted me to come and sing. So I went to the church and sang, and an old person walked me out the door and he said, I heard you were a minister. Our pastor left. Can you please help this congregation? The congregation went from 40 people to 200 people in a span of six months. I was on television. I wasn't even doing I didn't know how I got there. It was a march, so I got in the march. You know, so things happened that were supernatural. I started getting awards for doing what a regular person does. I was just helping this kid. So I started getting all these awards, but all along God was preparing me for something greater. 
and where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. It's not who you are, it's what you do. So now I have this great love for children, and I have to bury them. It didn't make sense. So everywhere I went, people would come to me and talk to me about burying their children. I'm talking about babies, right? So God is getting my heart and my head right to let me know that people need hope in times of hopelessness. A lot of people that go to church and they play church, they understand how to move in religion. You move this over here, you put that there. You, but when, when it comes that you have to actually walk on all the stuff you've been talking, and we know all things work together, well, what about when somebody's been kidnapped? What about when someone's been molested? What about How does that work together? Now we have to deal with that. We have to see God from our point of confession. Remember what you confessed? Yeah, I remember. Okay, so let's see. So now I have to walk in this community. I have to walk in this ministry, and I have to walk on the word, trusting and believing that God will do just what he said he would do. So I get a phone call. I'm connected. The drug-free will come. I believe we all have the same intentions to save a life. Hopefully in the process, I can win a soul. It's just that simple. So here we are. I have, on this past two weeks, I have two other 22-year-olds old, that overdose. And I have to prepare my mind and my heart to eulogize. How do you do that? Speak to those that are alive. So here we are. We're at this interview. And that's the fullness of who I am. It lies within my call. But if I could hang up, if I could swipe left and not do it, as a person, I would do that. But my call is greater uh, than my courage. What's going to be your message to those that are still here, that the, the kids that are, are still with us, that haven't gone down that route, or maybe are getting really close to it? What's that message of hope that you're going to bring? First of all, when you bring a message of hope to this generation, it has to be something that resonates within their environment, within their spirit, within their, like everything that they do. There's certain things that they say. Of course, my kids keep me grounded. And there was a commercial, and I stick to this. It was a commercial a while ago, and it was, Can You Hear Me Now? And uh, people would be over here, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You Hear Me Now? And God has been speaking loud and clear for a while, and what he's saying is, Death is no respecter of person. It's coming for the white, the black, the fat, the skinny. You know, do all the separating you want to do, but death is not going to discriminate, right? So that now that it's here, now that you're sensitive, can you hear them now? I know a lot of people play around, but playtime is over. You have to make sound decisions. You cannot discount a God that you haven't even sampled. Doesn't that make sense? Because the world is talking, or somebody's talking that haven't sampled them, or they're angry at them. But now you have an opportunity to pursue him for yourself. God is the only entity that I can refer you to, and I know for a fact that he will never let you down. I know it. So I refer him. So in this time of hopelessness, I offer you hope. It's the best I can give you. What about to the moms and the families that are left? How, where do they draw their hope from when they've suffered this loss? Uh, the hope has to come from the walk. So 
after the people come to the funeral, they get to walk away. But I stay connected. Even when it hurts, I stay connected. Even when tears fall from my eyes, I stay connected. Because there's not a grieving period. It lasts as long as it lasts. Stops when it stops. But my objective is to walk with them so that when they need to reach for a little bit more hope, hopefully I have it <laughs> to give. You know, so. uh, with, the, with the parents and the relatives that are broken, all you can do is walk with them. That's it. The rest is, it's all up to God. That's why you did the referral, right? So why would you refer them and then try to be them? Let God do it. And there's some steps along the way, like music. You know, there's a worldly saying that music comes and savage beats. But he pretty much does. <laughs> so you give him some music to help him along the way and just keep walking. And that's it. What part does music play in your life now? You, you used to be a professional musician. Well, once you're a musician, you're always a musician. What role does music play in your life right now? Music is a part of who I am. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't live on the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound, that sounds good. Coming from a pastor, no, I, I, inspirational music can come from any genre, as long as it hits me right where I am, you know. And, and sometimes, during you know, certain situations, songs just come up. And if I can't sing them to you, I'll send them to you. You know, and they'll say, that was the perfect song for me at this time. That's all I have, you know? And I'll tell them, you know, I listen to this song over and over again, and it helped me out of a dark place, you know? And, that, and that's how music works for me, and I try to use it to help others. I didn't even know this song existed. Well, it does. Keep listening to it, you know? How did you get your start as a musician? I come from a singing family. Tell me about that. Um, well, my mother and father, my, my mother and father are from uh, the upstate New York area, Utica, New York. She's originally from Alabama, but, you know, I'm number eight. So I had to learn a lot, a lot of things from that position. But when I listened to my mom and then my father sing, and they were very good singers. So my sister, she was singer. My brother, I had three or four of them above me that could sing. So they would take me when I was little and sit me on top of something like a freezer or something like that and make me do notes, you know, um, make me, you know, copy whatever they did. Ah, scales and such. But I had a different voice. My voice has always been raspy. So I thought something was wrong with my throat. And I went to the, to the, I was suggested, you know, go to the, really going to need to go check on your voice. And when I went to check on my voice, the physician said, nothing's wrong with you. That's just, your birth voice. So he says nothing in your throat or anything, so I'm unique. I'm, pr I'm proud of the way my voice sounds. I don't think anyone sounds like me. And uh, I still sing to this day and I enjoy it very much. Tell me about your first gig. First gig? I was seven years old. Tell me about it. Um, it was at the school, school play. And I had on a um, this outfit and no one could really see who I was. So I could hide behind what I was about to sing. And uh, 
I sang and enjoyed it, and everybody went crazy, but no one knew it was me. Because <laughs> I had on this like James Brown outfit, I had on a wig, a brown suit, you know, with some flared out pants, and I sang, and it just tore everybody up. No, and no one ever knew who it was. What did you sing? Um, I think it was I Feel Good. I knew that I would. <laughs> I feel nice. <laughs> so good. And I was moving like them. They went crazy, you know. But they went from there to I was on television. I had a, had a wonderful, entertaining life. I was one of the well-known, most biggest break dancers in New York history. So I had people find me like five years ago. Came to the church. I know y'all pastors a legend. I'm like, I'm a legend. I was just dancing. What was your breakdance name? Um, uh, what was it? I don't know. I think it was Mellow Mike. Did you have a signature move that you would do? I did. What was your signature move as a breakdancer? Well, what happened is I tried to do a, a backhand spring. And uh, I didn't come all the way over. So what you do is you do a full backhand spring, land on your feet, and then you go down to a move called the, the worm or the dolphin. Well, I didn't make it all the way over. But they didn't know that. So when I jumped, I came down on my face, and I went like this, and I went right into the move. They were like, he invented a new move! I'm like, nah, I got dirt in my mouth, man. So, <laughs> so, so that became my signature move, one of the most popular moves at that time, but I didn't mean to do it, you know. I'll never forget that. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Storytime with Wilson Rides. And remember, if you're a senior age 55 or older in Wilson County, Tennessee, and in need of transportation, Wilson Rides is here for you. We'll take you to medical appointments, lunch dates, salon or barbershop visits, shopping trips, or to visit with friends and family. Our goal is to keep you connected to the community you call home. If you would like to find out more about Wilson Rides, you can visit our website at wilsonridesinc.org or call us at 615-622-5557. Wilson Rides can also be found on all social media platforms at Wilson Rides Inc. and on Alexa or Google Assistant by saying Launch Wilson Rides Inc. Storytime with Wilson Rides is sponsored by a creative aging grant from the Tennessee Arts Commission and also serves as part of the Governor's Three Star Program.